Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, it's State of State. We got your Nittany Line update. It's a football discussion with Tom and Justin. So kick back and press play. With former Penn State and NFL defensive back Justin King, I'm Tom Hannafin. This is State of State. This podcast is presented by Bet Online. All the major sports are in action this week with the college football playoff and bowl season ready to kick off. Bet Online is your number one destination for all your sports wagering info, including news for the NFL, NBA, upcoming fights, and NHL games this season. Head to Bet Online today and remember to use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. State of State is presented by Bet Online, where the game starts. Also, State of State is a proud supporter of Blue White Outfitters. Blue White Outfitters was created as a retail shop meant to highlight the confidence, competitiveness, and fearlessness of the elite athletes found throughout the history of Penn State University. Check out the latest Lockdown U and Lawn Boys merchandise today and get ready for the Peach Bowl with Blue White Outfitters because all sales from Blue White Outfitters directly benefit Penn State student-athletes. Visit www.bluewhiteoutfitters.com today. And if you're looking for the perfect beer for Penn State football season, we've still got you covered with the State IPA. Special thanks to our friends at Funk Brewing for creating the best tailgate and game day beer for Nittany Lion fans. A limited supply of the State IPA is still available now. Visit www.funkbrewing.com slash beers slash state dash IPA to learn where and how you can get State IPA before it runs out. Check out the link in the description of this podcast for more information. Must be 21 years or older to purchase. Please drink responsibly. Happy holidays, everyone. We are anxiously awaiting the bowl game, the Peach Bowl, on December 30th, Saturday, December 30th at noon Eastern on the ESPN. Penn State versus Old Miss in Atlanta at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Very much looking forward to that. In the meantime, the transfer portal is wide open and Penn State has got to commit finally. So we're going to get to a lot of the things going on right now with Penn State football, regard to the D.C. search, defensive coordinator search, some roster movement, who's staying, who's going, who's opting into the bowl game, who's opting out of the bowl game, who might be here next season, who might not be here next season. But let's start off with this transfer portal acquisition, Justin. Offensive tackle Alan Heron from D2 shorter university he was one of the more highly coveted sought after and evaluated tackles in this transfer portal class i guess that's what we're calling it now he comes to penn state as i mentioned from a division two school he played 22 games there he's about six foot five 310 pounds very raw as an athlete the positive thing about his tape is seeing the maturation from the beginning of this past season towards the end of this past season, seeing his footwork improve, seeing his hand placement improve, understanding where to hinge at the waist and how to keep himself in line with a pass rusher or if he's trying to move forward on a run block, how to position his body the right way. So there are some positives, but you're getting a very raw prospect. And you and I have talked about on this show is that what positions are going to lead to win share probability? And it's quarterback, defensive end, pass rusher to be specific, and then offensive tackle. So what did you think about grabbing Alan Heron in the portal? Right position. 
that's the first thing I thought it was like the right position. The coaching staff up there. What's up, James? I mean, guys listening to us, we say it, you know, offensive linemen, pass rushers. But anyway, besides that, I think it's a great situation. I mean, you know, 6'5", 310 pound guys. I'm a firm believer from the philosophy of collecting big people, period. Like there's just not that many guys walking around on earth that are in the NBA that are massive size, like 6'5", 310, that can move, been at the waist. Just those physical traits, not necessarily the best offensive lineman. Because when we talk about development, that's the coach's job. And I think there's no one better right now at it than Phil Trotline, someone that I played with in the NFL, comes from a strong pedigree from uh, Florida Florida Gators and um, as a player, but transitioning that into a, as transitioning that into a coach where he's producing, he's going to produce his first top 10 um, draft pick and Olu. So with that being said, I really like the pickup. I mean, you just see just the from the opening of the transfer portal teams that have really bought in to that interior line play and going back to the old school way of football, like this is how you build a program, have been successful, right? When we think about, I mean, not Colorado, but they've had some success landing five offensive linemen. But Michigan is my main prior, my main case in point. Absolutely. Because poster boys for landing offensive linemen and having success. Absolutely. Offensive lineman, just that interior toughness, right? And when you're getting older guys, you're dealing with a little bit of different maturation process that can they can actually step in and perform. And when we talk about protecting the quarterback, not sure what Andy's uh, offense is going to look like, but it seemed like they move the pocket a lot or some quick passes. But having extra offensive linemen that can step in and contribute is extremely essential. So I like I love the pickup. I mean, we'll see how it, how he produces, but I really like it from the the jump. Well, and to the point you made about new offensive coordinator Andy Kotelnicki coming from Kansas to Penn State, he's known to be malleable and adaptable to the personnel that he is given. So we really don't know exactly what we're going to get next September. So we're looking forward to the blue-white game and seeing kind of a sample yeah. of it. So it's just it's a time will tell sort of thing. The uh, time uh, <laughs> the time honored tradition of us saying that on this show. But let's look at the offensive line room altogether for Penn State. Phil Troutwine has obviously done a really nice job. But let's start with the guys that largely started this year for Penn State. Most of them have a decision to make. And that's kind of becoming the norm now, Justin, in the college football offseason, which we're living in at this moment, is that when it comes to Caden Wallace, Sal Wormley, and I believe also um, – or Hunter Norzad has to leave. He, he has to be done with college. I believe he's a redshirt senior plus, so I believe he's done. And uh, Olu Fashionu, I think everybody would be astonished if he came back to Penn State for another year, even though he does have eligibility. More than likely, he is going to the NFL to get his money, which he absolutely should. But there's at least four pieces of this starting offensive line that you could potentially lose this year of guys that – want to go into the draft, have to go into the draft if you're Hunter Norzad, or even who knows, there could be a decision in the next few weeks of a player that maybe wants to transfer. You have no idea. And this is, let's also not forget, this offensive line started the year losing Landon Tengwall, who had to medically retire from football. Friend of the show had him on this podcast, and he was wonderful to speak to, and we wish him all the best in everything he has going forward. But after, you know, you've got Vega Yuane, who got a lot of run this year, Drew Shelton, and J.B. Nelson got a lot of run. And James Franklin and company are very, very adamant about cross-training offensive linemen. 
So you wonder, is this a situation where Heron is going to be asked to step in and start? Or it's like, hey, man, we're going to have a big, long competition for the entirety of the offseason. We'll see what we have in August. I think you throw all those guys in the mix and see who comes out on top, right, at, at the end of training camp. Because when you talk about offensive linemen, development is so essential to how they perform, how they work together, how they pick up the playbook, I mean, how they take the different coaching. So offensive line is one of probably, if not the most technical positions on the field from just a, a coaching standpoint, all five guys understanding what's happening, assignments, like there's a lot. Just to give some a story, I mean, I remember when we were at the XFL building out the different coaching staffs and finding offensive alignment, offensive line coaches wasn't difficult, but to microwave of a preparation to get ready for a season, you had to start evaluating coaches. Like how well can you evaluate? How well can you teach like schemes to get guys to pick up the different blitzes and things of that nature, where it's just, you can actually have a physical, I guess, how can I say a physical problem instead of like a mental error because there's a lot of things that happen on the front line where it's a lot of times mental errors that cause sacks where you got sure. the different blitzes. That's what Manny Diaz throws out offenses a lot of times where offensive linemen are confused. So it's going to be up to the fact that if he can pick up Andy's offensive playbook and understand what's going on, I think, I mean, six, five, three, ten, not to just be on the measurables of it. Someone that's played 22 games um, in college football, I put some level of, of a premium on that. I know we had a unsuccessful a JUCO when, when was that Palmer when he came back in the days, not to throw anybody. Um, it was like a left tackle. I want to say he was like the number one overall like JUCO. Oh, blanking lineman. on that name. But it, yeah, it was uh yeah we can look it up. But he wasn't he didn't perform the way we I think we expected. But different coaches and different teams. So I'm I'm expecting anybody that comes in to Penn State as a transfer portal prospect to be a contributor. Paris Palmer. Paris Palmer, there we go. From Lackawanna College. There you huh. go. Yeah, that I wasn't name, making that up. That name completely <laughs> escaped this guy. So I'm like, yeah, <laughs> guess it didn't work out. Uh, <laughs> he played, but he was like a highly ranked guy. And I guess when I'm thinking of that transition where someone that's plays long athletic ability, but it didn't necessarily work out uh, the way I mean, they probably planned, even if he had some level of productivity. But hopefully this one does. Listen, shout out to Lackawanna College for a long time. They've been a pipeline to Penn State football, the Jaquan Briskers of the world, who had 17 tackles in a game the other night. <laughs> so good for shout out. He's killing it. Um, but Locked let's down you the- and Gateway. Shout yes, out sir. both schools. You know what I mean? That's the young boy. <laughs> let's look at the remainder of the offensive linemen. And I, I, I should apologize to Nick Dawkins, who also saw a substantial amount of playing time this year. It was just some fantastic things in the podcasting world as well big fan of nick dawkins but now you've also got this talented freshman class that came in and honestly there's just a lot of players here in terms of javen williams anthony donko some freshmen that we've talked about uh you also have uh chimdi ono who got uh, definitely got some playing time this year uh, i'm trying to think who else uh, dominic ruley i believe you also saw at times this year alex birchmeyer is six five three oh four is a freshman Freshman was highly touted as a recruit. Jim Fitzgerald, uh, Henry Bomey, uh, Drew Shelton, who we already talked about. Uh, I mean, there, there's so many guys on this list. Matt uh, Dedich, I hope I'm pronouncing these names correctly, and Golden Israel Achumba and Addison Penn. Let's not forget another guy in the transfer portal last year from Duke. I don't even know if he saw the, 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 the field this year. So you have all of these guys getting thrown in the proverbial hopper, and Alan Heron, even though he has the measurables, 
it doesn't feel like, oh man, Alan Heron's going to start at left tackle day one. And there's your heir apparent to Olu Fashionu or something like that. I'm like, no, this just seems to breed competition. And it seems like what Penn State has already, I don't know how you feel about a lot of these freshmen, but it seems like there's a nice foundation for these guys to come up together. Sure. I think that's a, that's a benefit, but I think there's something to mature competition. You have guys that aren't just necessarily developing, but they've been in college and it's like, hey, we're duking it out with the with the Lions, not the Cubs, right? Because there's a level of sometimes when you're growing as a freshman, there's just things like you're not as disciplined. You, you're not, you're just not ready physically. There's just different things that come into it. But when you have the physicality, the physical traits that are needed and you have offensive linemen that can all play competing, that's when I think you have something cooking well. So it's not even about the number of offensive linemen because you got to bake in attrition and guys um, getting up out of here and doing different things of that nature. But I think it's a good it's a good outlook on how the offensive line has come along since Phil Trotline's been here. I like to kind of stay true to, I mean, I guess whatever model has been coming from a coach and when the development phrase, how they evaluate, because they get to have their stamp on that room and what happens. So producing a top 10 pick and with these guys going, I think they have the tools and traits to put things together to have a successful offensive line. But uh, yeah, time will tell because that's the one of the situations on, on the offensive line. You, you We won't know until the spring game. <laughs> like, or the, I mean, the bowl game, but after that, the spring game. I mean, basically we won't know for like nine months whether it, and even still it's like September is one thing you, mm-hmm. you, won't, you don't know what your team is really until like October so very true everybody sit tight uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Alan Heron from Shorter University has committed he will be a part of the Penn State Nittany Lions football program in 2024 uh, we're still monitoring things to see if Penn State's going to pick up anybody else from the portal things are going to be open for a few more weeks well beyond the bowl game and into January so there's plenty of time there's a lot of wide receivers that are being targeted uh, they've looked at Andre Green from UNC wide receiver Andre Green also uh, McCauley uh, the kick returner slash wide receiver just athlete overall from Indiana who Penn State has faced before, and he has certainly been a problem within the Big Ten. And I believe at the time of this recording, Jamori Macklin from North Texas, talented wide receiver related to Jeremy Macklin once upon a time of Mizzou and the Philadelphia Eagles in the NFL, uh, he has like something like close to 30 offers in the transfer portal. So I hope he's taking his sweet time to make a decision, which is great. Uh, Penn State going after a number of different wide receivers, it's I, I don't know. It's been a mixed bag thus far. We've talked about it before on this show. Is it like, all right, Mitchell Tinsley, that was a, a positive one. Was it a an All-American? No, but it was positive. And then Dante Cephas this year was disappointing, I think it's safe to say. Malik Macklin, jury's still out. I think we knew this was going to be a year of progression for him. And you talk about wind share probability. It's like, all right, you know, are, are one of these guys going to come in and all of a sudden be wide receiver number one and give Andy Kotelnicki something to do with the football outside of tight ends and running backs. I think Dan mentioned it when he was on the show, but like looking for those elite traits and receivers. I mean, we talk about a guy having 30 offers. He probably comes with a heavy price tag as well when you have 30 offers, right? So because coming from D2, when we talk about Alan Herring, they probably got, I'm not going to say for cheap, but the, the standard NIL that was going on. So it probably wasn't much competition. But when you think about these playmakers, that's when I get into it. When we talk about the talent acquisition being very clear, 
about what you need in your offense, what not what your preference is, but like where is that actual need and what will take us to that next level of offensive production. And with that, it's going to be interesting because I don't think it's it's going to be a guy that requires some NIL money. I hate to say it, but that's like the landscape and where we're at. I don't know if I want a guy giving his shot or transitioning up to Penn State to see if he can fill a role. I want I want to go after like the prime guys that we know are going to step in and kind of do it. They do. It's essentially like a, a Keon Coleman. I think when you go into the receiver category, you're looking for players like that, game breakers, one-touch guys. That would be my philosophy. I don't necessarily know how much you go into a transfer portal for high-level possession guys, right? I mean, you got to recruit and still do that out of high school. But with that being said, it's going to be interesting how they approach that receiver room. But supporters, you probably have to open up that checkbook and help the team out and get somebody in here. <laughs> I don't know what you've heard because you're close to a lot of you know families, recruits, guys that are actively playing college football and guys that are now in the National Football League. But for instance, like what is a top-flight wide receiver cost right now in the transfer portal? Numbers are, it's funny when you say that, right? Because I don't want to get clipped up and say, like, yeah. oh, the numbers, but like it's, it, it ranges. There's I no mean, transparency it, right now. Like yeah, we're just no guessing. It's 100% guessing. And like it can go as low as like 35,000 to, I would say the max, 75 to 100,000, depending on the team that you're dealing with from a receiver standpoint. And when I say 75 to 100,000, it's like broken up in different ways, uh, depending on the school, right? But, these guys, the deals are just all over the place when it comes to that. Like, there's not many quarter. I don't even know if there are any quarterbacks game. There's no college. consistency. There's no consistency. No, zero, zero consistency. But I would say under 100K. I would say under 100K for, for a receiver. Like, when you think of a two-year guy, what they have to do. Because a lot of deals that are being presented is like, hey, we give you an opportunity. And then these are the things that you can kind of hit from an escalator standpoint, quote, unquote. Like, hey, we can provide this, this, and moving forward. Some guys have agents already. Some guys have outside entities looking for deals. For example, like a, a Brock Bowers down in Georgia. He's like their top receiver, but he doesn't even deal with essentially their collective, What is what I heard. Or he has his own person that goes out and sources deals. He doesn't really need the team support because he's his own asset and entity, which I think is the most sustainable way of approaching this. Because I'm saying all this say is that a guy like that and that we're looking for would probably have a situation where he demands he has some value that demands some compensation and with that it's just us to, up to us to do the correct asset allocation and bring in the right guys that make those splash plays because i i mean personally i'm i don't want any more possession receivers <laughs> well it's um it, it brings me to the conversation that's been surrounding ohio state wide receiver marvin harrison jr now i'm not saying that he's in the transfer portal i would be stunned <laughs> If that happened, no, there's been a conversation out there that uh, allegedly Ohio State is trying to come up with a package to offer him first round draft pick caliber NIL compensation to come back to Ohio State to 2024. And it does bring up a, a very valid conversation of, OK, say he's a top five pick. He's getting guaranteed 20 to 25 million dollars. So what are you going to throw at him? for one year to come back to Columbus to potentially get hurt and hurt his future earnings just so he can try and beat Michigan, try and win a Big Ten title, try and win a national championship, which 
nothing against all those pursuits, but after a while, it's like you have $25 million staring you in the face. Why delay that and chance it on a school that could potentially offer you like Ryan Day said last offseason, again, $13 million to maintain his roster. Okay. And we talked with Lydell Sargent. I was like, did they hit that number? We have no idea. Say you threw five, say through 10, 15 at one guy, Marvin Harrison Jr. I think we all agree he's the greatest wide receiver in football right now. He is a game changer, but how many game changer wide receivers exist out there? And then are you sacrificing the rest of your quote unquote salary cap? Because we're living in that era now to keep one dude who may or may not get you over the hump. I think there's a question of like hard cash versus value. I don't think you ever give a player $25 million of hard cash, but you can give them $25 million of deferred type of money. That's a different type of situation. Oh, with all the situation. There you hey, go. but even with just Columbus being uh, like a major city in the companies and businesses that are associated with Ohio state, I feel like you can get pretty creative to make a pitch that we have a legacy deal for you to an extent of you'll always make money. If you come here, that will equal up the 25 million when you get done and cover him for his insurance if he gets hurt and different things. I think you can get really creative with compensation. I mean, we had the opportunity with Kenny Robinson at the XFL when he left uh, West Virginia and how we set up the contract, whether it's like paying for training, paying for different development, different subsidizing, different things for him. The benefits different in different areas. I'm not saying any of this is better than cold, hard $25 million worth of $25 million of cash getting from the NFL team. Not at all. But if it's a, a Columbus move, I don't think this is a football or Ohio State football decision to keep them there. This is a, a Columbus supporters, alumni, everybody, municipality, like keeping this one guy here. And so from that standpoint, I don't know if it goes into the salary cap when you get creative with value propositions for a player because I mean, if there's some way that you can set him up for the next 25, 30 years as a football player in his situation, not that I wouldn't leave, but it begs you to weigh your options. Now you come back and you get them, they say three to $5 million out of pocket, but there's like 35 million waiting and opportunities when he gets done playing, he can come back. And it's just like there, like your, your post, you can set up something where your post career is set. Like this isn't even about, this is about after I'm going to the NFL and those are the different type of games you can play, but I don't know who's pressing those lines like that yet. That is a very creative idea. I like that. I like that a lot. Hmm. I don't know if anybody was going to do it or not, but there's all these well, things out there. You know, Charlie yeah, Baker proposed the trust funds for you know, the trust fund or NIL backing for a select group of teams within college football. So anything sure. is possible. I mean, like, I mean, from cars to somewhere to live to constant promotion. Like, if he stays at Ohio State, he's going to – He's. I mean, he's a legend already at Ohio State. I mean, the players that I played with, Malcolm Jenkins, they can go back and – James Laronitis, he's the he's the uh, linebackers coach up there. So, And so when you see those different things happening, it's a type of town where they feed back into the program. I feel mm -hmm. like there's enough connections that how they operate in Columbus doing business there that – they can find some creative ways to make that guy happy. It's just up to him of risking, I guess, some of it and foregoing this season in the NFL. 
it, it's very much the wild west right now there really is no transparency in terms of like what these guys are getting paid to go someplace like every once in a while a story will leak out but you'd have no idea if it's real or not because nobody's going to open up and show you their direct deposit that's just the, the truth of the matter uh, let's shift our focus to the ongoing search for penn state's next defensive coordinator after manny diaz departed uh, for duke to become their head coach that search is ongoing uh, earlier this week, James Franklin and the CEO and president of the Cot of Cotton Bowl, of the Peach Bowl, Gary Stoken, who we've had on this show. Gary was our guest on Sunday's episode of State of State. Is that, you know, it, the, the overall, the, there's a lot of excitement going into the Peach Bowl and questions were asked about the defensive coordinator search and James Franklin saying things, you know, it's like, oh, he hoped to have something for you soon. So it's like, okay, is that... <laughs> done in the next week is it done in the next two weeks hopefully it's done before the bowl game i think that would be that would be really extending it obviously since the transfer portal closes about a week or two later i can't remember the exact date off the top of my head but uh, th there have been plenty of people talking about the internal prospects of people we raise on this show anthony poindexter terry smith uh, certainly probably some other people that we're not even considering at this point no disrespect to them but hey we there could be something out of left field um have you heard anything? Is there anything new? Is there anybody outside of the program that you think Penn State fans should maybe have their antenna up about? Outside of the program, I mean, because like the internal stuff is the internal stuff, but outside of the program, after the people that we mentioned, I mean, Tom Allen, like when we talk about like the coat, the head coaches or the former defense head coach of Indiana, former yeah. Head, yeah, former head coaches, but we were speaking of the defensive coordinators having head coach experience all the way back from prior. And then Shoop, prior to him, he was a head coach. And then, you know, Manny Diaz was a head coach. And I think there's a comfort level with James where the offensive guy has – I mean, the defensive guy needs to be a head coach because when he has his philosophy of, hey, this guy needs to be the head coach of this side of the ball, really trusted him to be the offense, like be the head coach. When you think about the offensive side, James is still an offensive guy. So you can see someone that's up and coming because you can have your hand on him. I don't think he's a defensive guy. So I would be looking for a head coach like a, a Jeff Collins who was at Georgia Tech, someone like that um, outside of space. And then there's some DB coaches um, in the South that just to give some thought around um, DB coach at South Carolina is a pretty good one, but it gets pretty, pretty hectic. But with the way James tries to keep the way he is historically Filled the position on the defensive side, I would be looking for a former head coach. Are you referencing a Torian Gray? I am referencing Torian Gray. Does Torian a good job. Gray, defensive backs yeah. coach for the uh, South Carolina would, Gamecocks. Yeah, I mean, because you got some good DB guys, but then it's like you just never know what you're looking for because the defensive coordinator position is pretty tricky, right? Because you have to understand the linebackers, the fronts, and the secondary. And it's interesting because it's a little different than offense where it's completely separate like you know I mean, as a running back you have to know that know a little bit of everything like the offense is a little bit more interconnected when it comes to teaching at every level so um it's going to be interesting to see who he kind of i mean like i said a jim leonard type of guy outside of the ones that we already mentioned because i think some of the best candidates are in-house 
Say hello to a stressless holiday season with the help of HelloFresh. Skip the grocery store and save time with easy, tasty recipes delivered right to your door. Justin, here in Philadelphia, the lines were crazy in the lead up to Thanksgiving at the, at the grocery store. And I am very, very thankful to have this entire circumstance we do with HelloFresh. They've been great partners and to have healthy, inexpensive, and awesome meals shipped right to my door. It takes all the hassle out of the holidays. The one thing I cannot stand is going to the grocery store or here in Pittsburgh, going to the strip district around Thanksgiving. You have to fight for turkeys. You have to fight for stuffing. You have to fight for all your food that you want to prepare. So having this partnership with HelloFresh and having your ingredients and food delivered to your doorstep in a holiday season gives you more time to, uh, gives you more time to cherish your moments with your family and enjoy the holiday weekend. There's no need to fight. There really is no need to fight. HelloFresh has over 45 recipes and more than 100 seasonal add-on items to choose from every week, so it's easier than ever to find something everyone will enjoy. Go to HelloFresh.com slash LionFree and use code LionFree, that's L-I-O-N-F-R-E-E, -E, for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while subscription is active. Again, that's free breakfast for life at HelloFresh.com slash LionFree with code LionFree, that's L-I-O-N-F-R-E-E. -E. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. That search continues. We're going to keep an eye on it. In regard to roster movement, a couple of things. Theo Johnson, tight end, is going to the NFL draft. However, he will be playing in the Peach Bowl. I think this is a great decision for him. I think he has a lot of value in the National Football League, just like Brenton Strange does currently for the Jacksonville Jaguars, just like Tyler Warren will after him. They're all a very similar mold, and they certainly fit the NFL model for what a tight end is asked to do at this, at this point in time. Theo Johnson to the NFL, but he will play in the Peach Bowl. I, I think it's a really good decision on his point, and this is not to fault him in any way, shape, or form. If he can play in a bowl game and if he gets to play in a postseason bowl, a la the senior bowl, there's like 80 of these different freaking bowls where they invite you to, to basically do a mini combine or something like that. Who knows which one he might decide to go to or not go to. Right. But I think as much tape as he can continue to pile up, the better. What do you think? I completely agree. He didn't have as much uh, productivity this year that we probably thought coming into it, but he's always been a physical freak otherwise he's coming out of high school as he continued to develop at Penn State and always showed those um those traits and how he plays he plays with a nasty streak he's athletic he has everything that the NFL is looking for so I think it's a good move for him to continue to move on and I think it shows uh a love for the game to play in the Peach Bowl especially in today's age of football where guys opt out as soon as they're saying that they're going to the NFL and like I said in our previous episode, whereas the culture at Penn State is for guys to play and compete. It's one of the core, four core values of the program is compete. I think it's, it's the first one. So like with that, that's, I mean, that's just bread. So when there's an opportunity to play, guys want to play. And like, again, from the NFL side and a personnel standpoint, they always say it doesn't hurt you if you decide not to play, but it only helps you if you do. Mm-hmm. And, and of course, everyone's trying to stave off injury, but I, I think in his position, playing in the Peach Bowl, playing potentially in something like a Senior Bowl is good for him. The more that he can do, the more that he can show is great. So, you know, you just hope that he stays healthy and he is one of the uh, 
biggest supporters of James Franklin. He's been very outspoken this entire entire season. Um, after the Michigan loss, sounded like he rallied the team, rallied around James Franklin, especially. So that's the type of dude that if you're an NFL, you know, general manager or coach, it's like, hey, you want a guy like that in your locker room that galvanizes the other guys. I think that's a special thing. And then the rest of the tight end room, like just for Penn State fans, and it's like, man, we went from a three-headed monster with Strange, Johnson, and Warren. Well, fear not, because there's about like 80 tight ends on this roster. Uh, Khalil Dinkins flashed this year. Obviously, Tyler Warren, we know uh, so far, we expect Tyler Warren back, but he is a junior. Theoretically, he could go to the NFL if he elected to. Joey Schlaffer, a freshman, has gotten a lot of praise. Andrew Rappelier has gotten a lot of play this year as well. Not a lot of play, but enough play, and was certainly highly recruited. Um, out of uh, Massachusetts. And then Jerry Cross is a redshirt freshman. He's 6'5", 254. And Finn Fermanek, I don't believe if I've ever spoken his name out loud, uh, freshman <laughs> tight end from State College Area High School, one of our favorites. Local. So there's a, there's a lot of talent in the pipeline. So it's not to say that you don't value Theo Johnson, but for 2024, there are other guys coming, so I, I feel confident that the tight end position will be in good hands once Theo Johnson departs for the NFL. I do, and Penn State has had a, a strong history of tight ends that have come in and produced. Um, even from when I was here, like Corliss and then Mickey Schuler, and then continue to can move on uh, mm-hmm. to what's my man's name who played for the Steelers? Jesse Jim, James. Jesse James, yeah, another Pittsburgh guy. Pat Fryer. I mean, so like. We recycle, and once you have that brand as a school of what you produce from a position group, it's, it's a little easier to get in. So I'm not concerned about the tight ends. Corliss had that God's gift tattoo on his triceps, right? That um, is cool. Yeah, yeah. Shout yeah. out Andrew Corliss, man. One of the best tight ends I've seen at Penn State ever, to be honest. He was a, he was a freak athlete. Um, and then, Justin, I think you and I owe an apology to punter Riley Thompson because he has declared that he's returning to Penn State, uh, not just for next season, but I believe for the next two years. And you and I have talked a lot about successful transfer portal acquisitions. And I think we owe an apology to Riley Thompson, because as a punter this year, he was outstanding, transferred from Florida Atlantic and came here to Penn State. He's from Australia on top of that, so we should be even nicer to somebody who's not from this country. But getting Riley Thompson back, I know it's not the sexiest headline ever to get your punter back. But Riley Thompson was outstanding this year. And on top of that, Alex Falcon, a kicker, was another guy in the transfer portal. So I, I I feel bad. I want to apologize on behalf of this platform is that we just didn't give these transfer portal acquisitions the love that they deserve because we're talking about Chop Robinson and Arnold Ebiketti. And it's like, yeah, those guys absolutely knocked it out of the park. I think you got to have the same conversation about Falcon and about Thompson. What do you think? I, I do agree. I mean, because punters are extremely important. I know everyone looks at the field goal kickers because we think of the points. But as a defensive back, I like punters that you can rely on and that give you field position to help play defense against, right? So I don't think anybody's ever seen a team where it's like one of those positions, like we talk about the nickel on defense, where you don't really understand how valuable it is until you do not have a good punter. Right, where you're backed up and he like shanks it, it is a 15 yard punt or <laughs> anything like in that vein. I mean, we had Blake here. I mean, we've had some again, some premier punters where that lends to the success of the defense. Like they have a long field to cover. Guys have to continue to produce um throughout the whole track. When you have a good punter, man, that's a weapon. Punter is a weapon. So 
our Batman. <laughs> well, and <laughs> for a handful of years consecutively here, Justin, this program has had a punter slash kicker pulling double duty. This was the first season, I think, in like three or four years where you didn't have that. You had Falcons as your place kicker, and then you had Thompson as your punter. And for years, there had been a little bit of a, a shortage of production, I would say, from place kicker. And mm -hmm. to see both those positions in good standing, like as you mentioned, the the punter position had been shored up for a long time. And it was like, man, this is just Thompson in a long line of solid punters to come through Penn State. Awesome, he got that shored up. And then Falcons give him his flowers the way he stepped in, transferred from Columbia University, and did a really nice job this year. It's like, man, that 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 was some that was a hit. So you know, win share probability, we come back to that. I think that's an important thing to discuss in terms of who you go after in the portal. But these smaller headlines i know that you're not going to necessarily type in on you know youtube or something like that who's you know penn state punter in the transfer portal or something like that yeah i get it but man like they they make a difference and they will certainly make a difference thompson will for for years to come at penn state so i'm excited about it but i'm too yeah but that's uh you know other than that man it just feels like it's kind of this like hurry up and wait period you've lived this time in between the end of the regular season and the bowl games, you have your end of the semester, your exams, and there's a little downtime, and then you ramp back up again. What is this like from a player's perspective? Practice is hell. It sucks. <laughs> there's nowhere to look forward to. They think it's the beginning of the season. It's like camp practices. Coaches want to be out there for three hours because it's a chance to get some work because there's not a game close. So it's miserable. You know what I mean? Like, if I'm going to be honest, because it's, it's cold. I mean, we don't have to – it's just – it's whatever. Let them but, practice inside at least you know, at the indoor still, facility. Still, practice, still practicing inside, but it's like cold outside. Like it's, it is, it's cold when you're moving around. And you know, I mean, once you get to the bowl site, it, it's it's fun again because like, all right, we're in a different city. You got your little curfew. Do whatever you need to do. Have a good bowl practice when it might be a little warmer, but just in a different environment. But man, I personally hated practice after that last game until we got to the bowl game. Hated it. Mm. You Pittsburgh guys, just, you just don't do that well <laughs> with the cult now. I'm kidding. Uh, well, we're all excited for the Peach Bowl. We're all excited to see what else Penn State does in the transfer portal. Uh, tell us what you guys are looking forward to, players that you would like to see Penn State potentially land or target. There's a lot of names out there that I'm sure, you know, pie in the sky sort of situation. Everybody has their dream scenarios. But like, comment, subscribe, turn on notifications, rate us, and let us know what you guys are thinking, who you guys would like to see as the defensive coordinator hire. There's plenty of time to talk about all this. So thank you all for joining us, and, and you know, happy holidays as always. Thank you all so much for joining us. This episode and our entire library of shows is available now on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, and wherever else you get your podcasts. And of course, let us know what you think of the show on Twitter, at TheKing1 and at Tom Hannafin. State of State is presented by Bet Online. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.